Episode 8 of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, your divine host, Cade Call, also known as the Blessed Beatmaker and divinely anointed prophet, seer, and revelator by the gaming gods themselves, Roboclip. I was on a bit of a spiritual quest to find the ultimate gaming podcast to subscribe to, but there were so many, I didn't know which one to subscribe to. It was too hard to decipher which was the best gaming podcast. So, I went to E3, surrounded myself with all the hype of all the games, all the PR, all the posters, all the demos, everyone getting excited, and I snuck off into a little corner to be by myself. I knelt down with heart full of sincerity, and I looked up, and I prayed to the gaming gods themselves, and I asked them, which of all the gaming podcasts should I subscribe to? And then I saw it, a pillar of light exactly above my head. Above the brightness of the sun, slowly descended down upon me, and I saw three distinct beings. As the light dispersed, I could make out their faces. It was the holy trinity of gaming gods themselves. Hideo Kojima, Miyamoto, and John Carmack. And I asked them, O great gaming gods, the the trifecta, the triforce of gaming gods, which podcast should I subscribe to? And they said, None. For they are all an abomination, and they spoke together in one, as unison, all three voices melding together like thunder from the greatest storm you've ever seen. And then they commanded me, you shall create the greatest gaming podcast the universe has ever seen. And they instructed me all that I needed to do was simply find the most interesting people and ask them about their favorite gaming memories growing up. Also, they said, you need to give me all your money and all your women. On this episode of the podcast, we have an amazing guest, one of my dearest, one of my oldest, one of my best friends who's been my right-hand man for a long time, Omar motherfucking Prestwich. Omar is one of the most legit badasses I've ever met in my entire life. I have seen him transform his life. I have seen him turn himself around. And I have seen him accomplish all sorts of things despite overwhelming pressure and pushback against him. Long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, before everyone in America was listening to electronic music and EDM had taken over the American market, Omar was spinning on vinyl, throwing some of the most insane parties in my early college days. And he is the one that actually introduced me to some of the electronic artists that inspired me to make beats on my own. You could say Omar is the reason or the seed which Roboclip was birthed from. Many of you know me from starting the record label Damson and putting out a bunch of awesome releases. That was all originally Omar's idea. He started Damson. He came up with the name, the logo, the branding. We won a bunch of awards. He has a great design eye, a great taste when it comes to music. He's always into whatever five years later becomes the next best thing. He's consistently five years ahead of the curve. 
And last but not least, we'll get into this in the podcast, but Omar is now the social media manager for K-Swiss, the shoe company, and his marketing skills and all of his music skills have been now transferred over to the shoe and the style world. And just like music, Omar always knows what's fresh and coming up in style. We cover a lot of ground on this podcast, starting out with how Omar turned his life around from a perceived failed state and within a year ended up with his dream job working at K-Swiss. We also spent some time talking about how K-Swiss recently made history. They dropped the first ever gaming-specific shoe built for professional esports athletes. We talk about all the extreme sports games that Omar liked growing up. He was way into rollerblading, skateboarding, biking. He brings up the infamous BMX XXX video game that for those of you who remember, if you got a high enough score at the end of the level, you were treated to an FMV full motion video sequence with a stripper doing a strip dance and your young self could see some titties. Woo! I had an absolute blast talking to Omar. We had an amazing, fun, and engaging conversation. Make sure to check him out and K-Swiss out on all the social media platforms. Links to those will be in the description. Follow, like, subscribe. Keep up to date with what he's doing when it comes to marketing. Keep up to date with what K-Swiss is doing when it comes to the newest, bestest, dopest shoes. You guys, enjoy the show. Cheers. Yeah, I'm elevated. I will be. I'm going to be elevated, but I'm also going to be drinking caffeine so I can be elevated, but fast. I'll be like Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. You know that guy's smoking hella grass. Yeah, of course I played Sonic. I only played Sonic the Hedgehog when I would go to my friend Matt Agler's house because he was like the kid that had the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And for some reason, Sonic was like, that was the only time I could play Sonic. And I just remember, Sega. Sega. Did you like the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo better? Sega. Only because I would play Sonic and it was easier. Super Nintendo was more like there were games that required me to think more and I was like, fuck this. Where's my regular Mario Brothers? I just want to like A, B this shit. Yeah. So this is Omar Presswich. He's on the podcast. He's going to be a little bit different. I don't think he would identify himself as a gamer. Nope. But we're still going to mine him for his best video game memories and kind of see what it was like growing up as a as a skateboarder, rollerblader, rollerblader, rollerblader yeah. break dancer, yep, S- something. And what video games sort of you got exposed to, and what you remember, and yeah. what you remember playing at your friend's house, like Sonic at Matt Hagler's. Shout out to Matt Hagler. Matt Hagler. Hagler. No, he's not a Hagler. 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 <laughs> Thanks for having the Genesis. I was a Genesis kid, so I like him already. Uh, here, also tell people why we should we give shit about you. I believe you have a pretty cool job. Social media manager at K Swiss. Yeah, yeah, I'm the, the shoe company. Yep. So, I'm I'm gonna put this on my live real quick, just so you know. Oh, um, speaking of social media, <laughs> yeah. So I run the social media for K Swiss, the shoe company at K Swiss. Give us a follow, buy some shoes, help <laughs> us keep the lights on, please. That's what I do. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now he's uh, doing some. St- 
stuff on his phone. I've known Omar for a very long I met Omar doing door-to-door sales, yep. trying to sell people alarms on their doorsteps. Yep. Not the funnest job on the planet. Yep. And then uh, he was also the original brainchild of Damson. If any of you are listening, know me from Damson. That was Omar's brainchild. What's up, Casey? Yeah. Oh, shit. He's got, got some, come on. I'm, I'm on my live right now. You care about your Instagram? That's yeah. interesting. Guys, for the viewers, I'm with my homie, Cade. What up? He and I are doing a little podcast on gaming. Gaming memories. Gaming memories. I only have like three memories. <laughs> so I hope- We'll find more. We'll find more. Anyway, so I'm just going to leave my phone. You guys can tune in. All right, let's do this. Well, uh, what's the status of Damson? People still hit me up sometimes like, hey, I still follow you on Instagram. Seems like Instagram's still doing stuff. Those guys are liars. <laughs> uh, I haven't, like, with Damson, when I moved to L.A., I just knew that I couldn't do everything. I couldn't yeah. work a full-time job, try to do that on the side, work out, and still, you know, keep up with everything. So for context, you're the social media manager at K-Swiss. Yeah. I think it would be interesting for you to tell, give us the Reader's Digest, the badass version of how you got that job, Seattle, Utah, Seattle, K-Swiss, yep. then people kind of know who you are, and then we'll get into the game yeah. to remember. So in a nutshell, um, Kate and I started a record label called Damn, Damn Son. You have to say it like that, yeah, otherwise it sounds to. like Dim Son. And it's not a Is food. it dim sum like dim the Chinese sum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. frozen dumplings or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we started that five years ago. I was consistent with it. And it opened up a lot of opportunity and doors because when you start your own apparel brand music label, you learn to do many things. I learned how to take photos, how to design, how to network, how to tour manage. And um, as those opportunities arose... You know, one thing led to another, and eventually I ended up in Seattle, um, where I tested all of my abilities. I moved to Seattle. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I want to hear about the, you, how you readers. chose to go to Seattle, how much money you had in your bank account, oh, how that ended up happening. Um, I was kind of freelancing before that. I was um, taking photos for X and G, traveling with them. These are two of our best friends um, that do music. And... I was taking photos for different people and trying to run a social media agency and all of that crashed. And it got to a point where I was not happy with my life, where I was going. I felt like I was on a treadmill and I decided to test myself and my abilities. And I had $17 <laughs> in my bank account and thousands of dollars of debt. But you got, didn't you get like 300 bucks from some refund or something that got you the gas no, to go to Seattle? No, close. So what happened was I when I woke up, I'm like, all right, fuck this. I got to do something different. I'm going to Seattle. Um, it was raining or something in Utah because it was whatever, earlier in the year. Early spring. Um, I put on my rain jacket, and what are the odds that I had $103, a $100 bill, and three ones in my pocket, in that jacket. And I did the math on how many miles it would take and how, and I averaged out the gas mileage that my Subaru would get. And it was exactly like $98. So I used that money to get my ass out to Seattle. And I get, you, you <laughs> drive to Seattle and you get a job in an apartment in the less same than, day and yeah. drive home. 
Yeah, and the job wasn't glamorous. It was Chipotle. Yeah. So when the whole reason of moving to Seattle is like, there's, I live by this philosophy that I picked up from a hero of mine named Gary V, which is if you know if you're good enough, you will win. And I kept telling myself like, I'm good at photo and design and marketing, and I can build social media, all these things. But if you're good enough, you can do that anywhere. And I thought, well, let's go somewhere where no one knows me. I've got no connections. And if I'm good, I will win, whatever that is. And so in Seattle, since I had no job and no place, I went to Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. And I found a little studio that is way smaller than what you have here. (laughs) I had no bathroom. I shared a bathroom with everyone on my floor. Total homeless status. It was disgusting. There was bed bugs. I woke up one day and like my neck and arm and everything was just covered in bites from bed bugs. And um, I lived a lifestyle that a real hustler entrepreneur lives, which is I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning, go to the gym, go do my thing. And then I'd go to like... Um, a Starbucks at 7 a.m. like clockwork and work until 9 and then I'd go to my job and the first two weeks I was in Seattle I was a line cook at Chipotle which is when you go from being a designer and traveling first class and airplanes and doing all these cool things and getting paid to do that and then a week later you're at Chipotle yeah, Chipotle cooking up some uh I'm like, I don't guac. know how to cook. I'm like, hey, this burns my hand. Can someone else do this? <laughs> uh, guys, uh, I'm a little, yeah. uh, I don't know how to do this. But the key thing is that I showed up every day with a smile. When you're 31, working at Chipotle, smiling, and your boss is an 18-year-old girl, they learn something from you. They're like, why are you so happy? And it was just perspective. It's like, you don't realize how good you have it. And take advantage of like these moments and move forward and always be thankful for what you have, you know, working at Chipotle in downtown Seattle, getting paid $15 an hour and getting free food. That's the shit, you know, it's, it was survival mode. So survival mode, positive thinking, relentlessness in being my best self and figuring out how I can be my best self. That's what really helped me level up in my professional career. That was the mentality and drive that led me to work with K-Swiss because when you're consistent and you give without expectations and you do things to be your best self and further your whatever you like to do, that's where people start noticing. And How did the K-Swiss thing happen? (coughs) Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. I'll take the blessings. Yes. Jesus blesses, man. I'll take the, the <laughs> VIP blessings from heaven. So I'm, yeah, let's talk about how you got, because Seattle was kind of a spur of the moment. I remember him, you just texting me. We were homies. We're hanging out fairly regularly. You just text me, hey, I'm in Seattle. I live here now. Yeah. And I had hung out with you like a week prior yeah. or something. It was, okay. All right. And then my memory of K-Swiss was, um, I'm going to fly out to meet Gary V and present him some plan with X and G or yeah. some I- marketing idea. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then you text me like a day later, I got offered a job at K-Swiss. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, two different stories, but correct. So K-Swiss, fuck, like five, four years, five years ago, they did a campaign called The Board. And it was basically where they were, it was an open competition where any creator from around the world could sign up. And um, and they chose 100 people to be a part of this board to help revamp K-Swiss. 
I happened to be one of the ones that they chose, which was amazing. Fast forward, when I was um, trying to figure out, like, what I, in Utah, what I was trying to figure out, how am I going to work and do damn son and, like, level up in life and blah, everything I needed to do. I wanted to work with K-Swiss and Gary V because Gary's hero of mine, K-Swiss, represents everything that I believe in, which is the hustle. And so I had, um, once I found out that Gary was going to work with K-Swiss, like you said, I'm like, I got to get out there. So I flew out from Salt Lake. I called in sick. I actually went to work and I'm like, I feel really sick, guys. <laughs> My stomach hurts and I'm going to throw up. Like, you better go home. Like, yeah, I better I go better. home. Or go to the airport. And go to the airport where I can throw up in many bathrooms. <laughs> and so I flew to LA, waited in line for like fucking three, four hours, met Gary Vee for like 30 seconds. And because I knew of the shoe drop and collaboration, I had Christian and Aaron, X and G. It was actually Christian that made it, but um, I had them make a track called Dirt specifically for the shoes. And I was like, hey, I know about the shoe launch. I know about the collaboration. And this was like June three years ago or whatever, and the shoes weren't going to drop until November. That's how much of a leeway I had. And nothing happened with that music. You know, it's like, cool, badass, yeah, shook yeah. my hand, and that was it. And I, what I remember about that moment is feeling the energy of like, holy shit, this guy's on a whole nother level. This is a different vibe that I've never felt before mm -hmm. and I wanted more of. And then I flew home the very next morning at 5 a.m. And I was at work at 9 and they had the TV on ESPN Sports and Gary was on there. And it was the what he recorded the night before. So that's what, that's, that's what initially started my whole peak or interest. Fast forward when I was in Seattle or not yet yeah, in Seattle and then I did K-Swiss or got offered a job, it was a fluke because I was visiting L.A. trying to meet with Barney, and I had this idea where I wanted to pitch a 10-track. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to do this thing called Up Next, or Who's Next. I can't even remember the name of it anymore, but it was like Next Up or Up Next, and it was 10 tracks made by you know, X and G, Whipped Cream, Francis, people that I knew that I believe in that were on the come up or are already there. And I was like, look, if even Levitate, you know, if we give them shoes and a budget and have them create a music around how they perceive these shoes, I feel like that would be cool because that was my world at the time. That's what I knew. Trying to com combine your world with the K-Swiss marketing. Yeah, the, and the entrepreneur thing. Like, I can't, when I think of music and when I think of DJs and when you think of Christian and Aaron, like, they are. They real. are all producers that are really trying to make it. That's a, that is a hustle. Yeah. It's one of the hardest hustles you can undertake. In my opinion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a failed, a failed product <laughs> of that hustle. And so, um, that was, you know, that in my mind, and we talk about this at work, like an entrepreneur is a million things. You're an entrepreneur. Like you own your own business. The, the listeners, Kate owns like a digital media agency and it's killing it. Christian and Aaron make music and they're yeah. killing it. Our friend Andrew runs a gene company and he's killing it. And everyone has to. Almost all my friends, now that I think about it, no one has. I guess you have a regular job. Mm -hmm. You're the only regular job schmo here, but. You kind of have a, a badass, a badass high, like high social status. 
job, it seems. I view it as like, oh, you're the social media manager for like a really the, how long has case was been around 30 50, years 50 years 50, yeah it's it's been around forever yeah i feel blessed and no joke sometimes when i go to work and i'm showing up and i'm walking in downtown la and i laugh to myself and like i'm you like you can't believe you're here this is amazing like yeah. holy fuck it's the best you know it's something that i don't take for granted and you know when i show up i always have this sense of urgency of like I have to crush it. Like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up, you know? A good way we can segue into gaming is talk about the gaming show you guys yeah. just dropped. Sorry, guys. I, As you know, I like to talk so about So anyway, myself. that's why you should give a shit about Omar, because he's a badass. I just and do what I like. And he turned his life into a badass life. And everybody wants to do that. So pick some, take some lessons from Omar. Yes. Hit me up. Let's chat. I love <laughs> chatting about that. Where can Segway we find you on social media? At Omar Prestwich. Everywhere. Do Instagram, that's, you do, do you do Twitter? I don't think you do Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, anything. You Twitter. And it's Instagram, all Omar Prestwich. At Omar Prestwich. Omar dash Prestwich? Nope, Omar Prestwich. I just believe clean, in like, baby. The, the branding. Clean. It's so cool. But yeah, gaming. So K-Swiss um, just released the first eSports performance sneaker. Um, so what makes it, walk me through what makes it better than other options? Or right. is there even a... There's no, there's no the other first, options. So, right? yeah. so what makes... Excuse me. The the truth is, and the memes, and the the real gamers that are listening will know that really the best esports shoe is what a fucking slide. Like that's just facts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because when you're gaming on a PC, your feet get sweaty. And I'm not a gamer at all. Like, <laughs> hence, I've half this podcast is me talking about me and not. Mario Brothers in 1986. <laughs> uh, but it's that's what it is. That's an eSports shoe is you want breathability. You're going to be sitting. It's going to get hot, etc. So this shoe is specifically designed um, with real pro gamers. So Immortals Gaming Club, um, our designers met with them and like, hey, what's it like being a professional gamer? What do you need? What's it about? And it was essentially like, hey, give me something that's breathable, light, badass that also fits like a slip-on so our designer took an old retro tennis design ventilation system and so the whole bottom of the shoe has vents like you can look inside of the shoe it's insane nice. and the insole the but the bottom sole sorry half of it's cut out and it looks like a pc but it's a vent and it's like the design is fucking badass and that's the whole concept of the bottom is like tech like performance, but breathable, super light, and there's nothing like it. To like walk or sit and have air flowing in your feet is really wild. The whole front upper is an all one piece knit that is completely breathable, like see through. Um, well, not see through; it's black, but you it's know, like that mesh, super, yeah, yeah, super, super light, and it's the kind of mesh that is more of an athletic mesh that will like hold your sweat. Yeah. And which is really badass. And then the best part is the heel collapse. Collapses. So you can wear it as a shoe, as a slip on, or sorry, like, you know, you're, you hold it and then you can push the heel in and it becomes a slip on. Like a slipper, yeah. So that's like the first of its kind. And it's sold out in like a day, I think, from every. How many uh, pairs did you Did a few hundred. Okay. Yeah. And it was US only, sold out. Um, which is really cool, and it debuted at Blast Pro Series, which is a Counter-Strike 
tournament and the shoes are actually a collaboration with MIBR which is like one of the top uh esports team for Counter-Strike from Brazil. Dang. What made K-Swiss decide to get into esports? Was it just a growing market they thought, "Hey, no one's serving these guys and we can do it?" Yeah, that's a good question. So, I wasn't there when the whole concept initially started to become about, but um our Santi, Santi Fox, follow him at Santi Fox. He is the global uh, art director for K-Swiss and he's big into esports and he like he's got a good like eye with that and so he pitched it a while ago and it started like happening but it really, you know, caught on lately because of him. He just took the initiative and was like, "Hey, this is a big thing. We're already on wave the end of wave 2 with gaming." Wave three is coming and it's like, it's almost too late if you want to jump in at that point kind of thing. So he just stuck with his guns, presented a good plan, helped, you know, with the concept and design shoes and connected the dots with the people. And that's how it happened. You know, just initiative. And luckily that our leadership is so receptive to hearing ideas. And, you know, when you're a a brand like K-Swiss and you're thinking of heritage tennis, you're not thinking of eSports shoes, but Luckily, our team is like, look, yes, this is our core, but we also have to stay relevant as a brand as things, you know, grow. We're in a streetwear culture, a hype culture, a flip culture. You have to you have to be a part of that. And esports happens to be a part of that, too. Yeah. You know, as people laugh, like, oh, shoot for gamers. <laughs> That's stupid. You're like, well, these kids make twenty thousand dollars a month fucking gaming. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Can't these, talk these shit. Are, whether you think it's lame or not, these are ath- pro athletes. Fucking athletes, dude. And I mean, even if you want to like argue about pro, like the term athlete, you could say they're pro entertainers or pro. They're pro, whatever they are. Dude, they're, they're fucking pro. pros. Like when I was watching, like no joke, when I was watching them at Blast Pro Series playing Counter Strike, I was paying attention to their eyes and hands. The way that they like are focused on their screen listening to their teammates, moving their hands. It's just so precise. Like, I respect, like, instantly. Like, I can't even fucking, if I'm on Photoshop (laughs) or, like, Instagram, like, I struggle with that. And having them be on such a, like, professional focus level takes discipline. Any pro, whether it's fighting games, first-person shooters, like, any speedrunners, those guys, I mean, they're putting their 10,000 hours in in Anything you put 10,000 hours into, you're going to reach a level that the average person – You it's almost like you can't comprehend it. We had Thomas Winkley on from Big Shiny Robot who's a fairly good competitive Street Fighter player. And he was talking about different tournaments he goes to, mm-hmm. what their schedules are because he's in that place where a lot of entrepreneurs or pros, he's practicing as much as he can. But he's also got a life and a job. Right. And so that transition, well, how do I get, how do I catch up to the guys that are playing eight hours a day and have sponsorships and they're playing other dudes? They're spending all their time playing other guys that play out eight hours a day. And so iron sharpens iron and we're, so he's traveling every month to go to these big tournaments. He knows he's not going to win, but he wants to play against guys who are the best so he can get a feel and he's trying to make that transition and, and, uh, it's hard. Like the even someone like him who's ridiculously good. He came to Salt Lake Comic Con, cleaned house or whatever the gaming con that was recent, took everything. He wins a lot of like regional tournaments. But he says when he plays someone who's at I look at him and I try to if I played him it would be I have a zero percent chance. I've played a lot of Street Fighter. <laughs> 
he says he has basically a 0% chance against, against the gap is so big. And the same thing goes for Counter-Strike. Anyone that's doing an FPS, they're, they're, their precision and their speed, their twitch, it's like, it's crazy how good people can get at something. What's cool now is, at least from what I'm seeing and what Santi was telling me, and I actually totally agree with him now, is the face of a gamer, quote unquote, has changed. It's not the fat, lazy fucking slob. Yo, these kids are training. Not only are they training, but like at the the immortals gaming club whatever or training facility they like have gyms and personal trainers and they like look good now and when i was looking at all the pro gamers for example stewie he's like you know a household name in, in that world the kid's like fucking ripped you know well They're, if you want to be your best you have to be healthy well we yeah. talked about this years ago literally like six years ago when before all of the music stuff happened and you and I were a little bit overweight, you got on the health kick earlier and it was because we realized that as a DJ, you know, when you're on stage, if you look good, it just, it goes far it and beyond. It sells the, the product better. Yeah. If yeah. you look good and you, if you are working on yourself and you're physically fit or you look good, you're more confident and you get the females or males. And then we went on our, we, we and Omar bonded over a lot of running, a lot of smoking weed and a lot of running long distances. They go hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. If you're a lazy stoner, you're a lazy stoner. But if you light up and go for a seven, 10 mile run, I don't consider that a lazy stoner. No. Eventually you're like, I'm not high anymore. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> How many more miles do I have left? Fuck. So ha- have you, did you, that's an interesting gaming memory more recent you got to see these pro gamers play yeah. being involved with the shoe yeah. what other pro gaming or high level gaming have you rubbed shoulders with as a result of the shoe just that, that one immortal gaming club yes like with uh with esports and all that i haven't me personally right been connected with it i went to the tournament i kind of got to see it i do have friends in the industry shout out Uriel, shout out Enrique. Enrique is the creative director for Astro Gaming. And his brother Uriel um, does a lot of esports photography as well as AI visuals. So I'm friends with people that are in the industry. In that sense, I definitely want, at least as we keep evolving, like now that we were the first ones, it's... Bound someone else is bound to do it. Well, dude, yeah, totally. When, you know, it's just facts. Even our president, Barney... He said it. He's like, Dude, we're not dumb. Like, someone else is going to, with bigger pockets, is going to show up and, you know. Yeah. But we were the first, so they can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, but, you know, that's that's the truth. So um, if you're into gaming and you need a shoe. It's sold out. It's Go sold to, out. Can you not, when can you get it? Is it like So this was those? the beta. We called it the beta okay. program. And so you can go to StockX.com and buy them for like 200 bucks, maybe. if I don't think too many people are flipping them. Because they're dope as fuck and yeah. they want them. But in sometime in January or February of 2020, maybe even later, the next round will come out. Okay. Um, and then you'll be able to buy them. Um, so I think that's just like it's opening up a huge door of opportunity, which is really good for us. And who knows what will happen, but it's exciting. It's pretty badass. So we'll, I'll put a link into the, the podcast description yeah. sometime next year if you want a dope gaming shoe. K-Swiss has got you covered. We what, got you covered. What uh, is the very first video game you ever saw? 
Where were you? What was it? The very first video game I ever saw. It was Mario. I can't remember exactly how. Ugh, can't even speak. It's not the weed. I promise. I think I have a cavity. To be honest, with Mario you. and the NES. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Mario. Pretty. You're born. I, I was Are born in nineteen eighty six. That's okay, when I was year, born. Yeah. But I grew up like with a family that was super poor, and didn't like. When I got the quote unquote NES, I was in like, kindergarten or first grade. And um, I wanted the Super NES. Like, I even asked my friend, like, hey, what's this called? And I remember specifically <laughs> writing Super NES. And then but they I get, got you the NES. Yeah. And I was like, mom, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and she is like, actually, what the fuck? Like, I got you one of these, you know, or Santa did. But I remember the, old, the oldest memory that I have really, as far as like playing a video game, was Mario Brothers or Ninja Turtles on NES. The Ninja Turtles on NES is... The OG. Hard so, as fuck. It's so hard. You're, fuck the, you're only the second person to, to bring it up. This is actually chronologically episode 10. I don't know if it's going to be uploaded as episode 10, but I wanted to get a bank of 10. Yeah. So now you're my you're my 10th. Fuck Appreciate yeah. Appreciate that. But we brought up... Uh, one other person has brought up Ninja Turtles and he brought up... We talked about the underwater level with the electric seaweeds. Yeah, Do nah. you remember that? Dude, so... I Yeah. <laughs> Good fucking luck beating that game. Like, first of all, why are all the Ninja Turtles like the same color? You could kind of no. They they pretty much looked exactly. They're the, same. the exact same. They had different weapons. weapons, though. It's cool that they were like they kept the dark like we're fucking dangerous ninjas look yeah. like on the cover. But now they had, on the cover they were all the same color. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the original comic book they yeah. all wore red. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I like that. Um, but that's the hardest game. I don't think I've ever beat it. The only, actually, for the real core nerds, Matt Agler, their <laughs> shout out again, fucking Matt. Um, he had like some adapter with original Nintendo games. There was like an extra piece you could put in to your game. Game Genie? Maybe that's what it was, where it had like secret shit. Codes. Yeah, it was probably uh, Game Genie. It, anyways, and we played like Ninja Turtles, and that was like the only way we beat it because it was like. You used cheats. Yeah, yeah, fucking cheats. Otherwise, like, you're not beating that thing. Yeah, that game was ridiculously hard. <laughs> like, you, as a little kid, they, it doesn't give you any context. You just press start, and you, you know how you start yeah. out top down view, and then it goes to side view when you go in the sewers. And you're in top down view, and like, start, you walk like three steps, and you get run over by a car. That's and like, true. And you what just happened? So and you started again like one other way, get run over by a car. It's the the music is like <laughs> it never and you've seen have you seen the YouTube video of the angry nerd? Yes. Who when he plays this game, yeah, it's because, so funny. He brings up a lot of things that are true like when you try to fight the fucking things that aren't even in any ninja turtles anything uh they change they ne they're never the same like, yeah you you leave you go back like wait what the fuck all these monsters are back i can't get out of here <laughs> i barely made it through he pointed out one part in the game that i remember as a kid well i remembered it when i saw it on the video yeah. it kind of jogged my memory there's like one jump when you're on the, and it's yeah, like a tiny yeah, little square yeah. and there's you can't yeah. jump it you can't do anything you have to walk yeah and no one thinks of yeah, that yeah and, and yeah now, <laughs> oh his face like oh you can walk <laughs> you just it? walk 
That's one of the best <laughs> episodes. If you, if you don't know him, what's he called? Angry Gaming yeah, Nerd? Yeah, he's a yeah, Angry Gaming Nerd. On YouTube. I haven't seen him, no joke, for like maybe 10 years, but if you, I'm sure... He's still doing it. Yeah, and we just plugged him, so there's a few more views. You should give us a You should check it out. He just plays old video games <laughs> that are retardedly hard and just gets pissed and rants. And it's, I think his editing is really good. He keeps him... He, he does a great show. Well, he was definitely ahead of his time. I've never watched any more than that because I that don't episode. know. I've watched a bunch. They're really good. What else can I say about gaming? Like, honestly, I, you and I went to E3. Well, let's stay down. Let's go, let's go chronologically up. Okay. So you played, any, you played NES. NES. You, you remember <sighs> Turtles, basically. Yeah. I mean, I remember. And then my mom, I can't remember what happened. Well, first of all, let's just... Oh, yeah. I got an Xbox. Let's go there. Wait. So you went from NES to no console all growing up. Then you had an Xbox? Okay. I went from NES, no console, and then somewhere in like junior high or something, I got a uh, Nintendo 64. Okay. So before that, give me some memories of – because you didn't have a – but obviously Matt – Matt, Adler had yeah, one. I'd go to fucking sleepovers. So and just talk about the games you remember playing at Friends that stick out to Straight up Sonic. Like, Sonic. That's it. Like, I don't think we played anything else. And yeah, that was, it was that and Sonic and like Game Boy shit. Like the fucking old school Game Boy. Yeah, the green and black. Yeah. And like, I remember always needing batteries. And <laughs> You know what I mean? Always. Always. I'm like, six AA batteries for 10 minutes? <laughs> Jesus. And then I remember, well, for, I don't remember how, but I would like, my friends would let me borrow their Game Boys here and there. Because, like, again, my family's like, get to work. I'm like, mom, I'm 10. What the <laughs> fuck? Um, and then I had, um, at some point, I was borrowing my friend's Sega handheld. The Game Gear. The game now, that gear. thing ate batteries because yeah. it had a backlight and it was color. Yeah. And it was awesome. But the, the batteries, shit. so you got like 45 minutes. Yo, I would hide <laughs> that from my parents because I didn't want them to think that I stole it. Probably because I probably stole shit as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like I would hide it and at nighttime I'd bring it out. And like I remember being like, this is the greatest fucking thing. And I'd play, um, I would either play Sonic that's Sonic 2, I remember that, or a Power Rangers game. But yeah, the Game Gear was the shit. Like, that was ahead of its time. Fuck you, Game Boy. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, from there, it was like, literally, I didn't really game. And then I got into junior high, and junior high for me was more like um, rollerblading, breakdancing, graffiti, yeah. you know. That was like the thing that I liked to do, so I never spent time gaming at all. But you Um, got a 64 at some point. I got a 64 at some point for Christmas, and I had, like, Mario World or whatever it was. Super Mario 64. Yeah, I never really played it, and then 007. And that was, like, in junior high because that's when I started playing with a neighbor friend, Tom Simpson. Tom Simpson. What Um, up, Tom? What's up? Where are you, bro? Like, if you're listening, (laughs) hit me up. Omar, at Omar Presswich. I always wonder what happened to that guy. I really do. Um, so you'd play multiplayer, GoldenEye. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And Tony Hawk. Remember fucking oh, Tony Dude. I actually thought when I was thinking about bringing you on, I'm like, okay, no, he didn't play a ton of games. But because I know he was into rollerblading, I guarantee he played Tony Hawk. Yo, Tony Hawk, the PlayStation, N64. What I remember most, and this is junior high days as well, 
was Pizza Hut. Shout out, motherfucking Pizza Hut. <laughs> Pizza Hut had like the promo CD. So if you bought like a pizza of some sort, you would get like, like a demo disc. You got a demo disc. Oh, I didn't know that. And so you got delicious, greasy, beautiful pizza. Like, goddamn. Shout and, out to pizza in general. Yeah. That's proof God exists. Yeah. And then you got level one. Of fucking Tony Hawk, yeah, and you was it Tony Hawk two or Tony Hawk one? Because it was the warehouse, the warehouse, level. yeah. And yo, you fucking mastered that thing, <laughs> and the music was so yes. good, like the music and the graphics, and you just me not being a skateboarder nor a gamer made me appreciate both things. Like I remember playing that game, being like, "This looks so real." Like the way you could flip shit, and yeah. Deuce. And then I was thinking with skateboarding, I'm like, I don't skateboard, but damn, this is really cool. And the cool thing about that game is what I liked about Skater Kids growing up, even though I didn't skateboard, there was before the internet. Skater Kids always had the dopest music, facts, because they would they would watch the videos, whatever. Somehow, Skater Kids just all the coolest bands, all the the freshest stuff. If you wanted new tunes. Go talk to a skater kid. And Tony Hawk, from my memory, I don't know if it is the first game, but it was the first game I remember playing that had licensed, not like its own music, but they licensed songs from bands. And that combination, and they were, some, some of the bands I'd never heard of. By the time Tony Hawk 2 came out, it was more popular bands, but there were bands I liked. Like, I yeah. get to play a game and listen to Rage. Yeah. Yeah, sold. Let's yeah, do it. Let's yeah, do it, baby. Yeah. The airport level on Tony Hawk 2 on 64. See... After no, this is classic me. After one, after the demo level, I don't. Need, I but never you know played. that warehouse level yeah, like the back uh, of your head. Yo, throw me on that right now, and I'll fuck shit up. <laughs> I will Casper slide the shit out of that. What's your favorite trick, Casper? I'm, I guess because I said it. I don't know. Anything I can stick. Is that the lingo? <laughs> <laughs> Anything I can stick. So and, you didn't. So you played. That was PS. So you had a friend that had a PS One. Yeah, then Obviously. I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was actually fucking Tom again. Okay. He was a skater. So um, we, he was like a, like the rebel kid too. And I was a rebel kid. So that's why we became homies. And um, yeah, junior high was wild. And then. Um, Did you play anything on 64? Or was it just kind of like. No. You didn't really get no, into I it. I never like. Because my family wasn't like. They prefer not to have me gaming or game, and so they wouldn't buy me games. And if you can't buy games, you can't play. You can't play games, yeah. And you can't really borrow None them. of your brothers got games? No, because at that time, it was just like me and my sister and oh, the white yeah. brothers weren't into play yet. And when they came in, you know, my dad, he's not yeah. going to fucking do that. Um, but then I moved up to uh, Xbox because um, a rollerblading game came out called Aggressive Inline. And I was like, I got to get this game because I'm a rollerblader. This is me. And by then, the graphics were way better. Fucking yeah. crazy. And Halo had just come out and I was in high school. So friends started playing Halo. What I remember about Xbox, this is what I wanted to get to because you youngsters with your phones that can just look at porn at any given time, there was this one game called BMXXX. Yes, BMX. <laughs> you are the first person to bring that up. Oh uh, was it God. Matt Hoffman's BMXXX? Uh, I think, well, I think so. they took his name off it because it had the codes where you could get topless chicks, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I remember being like, okay, I have a gaming console. 
And, like, I can't just go upstairs to the family computer and look at porn. So if I get this game <laughs> and I beat these levels, I have 30 seconds of topless... <laughs> like celebration, yeah, I remember. So you got good at that game. But you had you had a strong got, motivation. Yeah, I got good at like two levels, and then that was it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> shout out BMX. I've said this before in other episodes, but I I had a similar story I'm where Google this real quick. I bought a I bought a Dreamcast because it had an internet connection. Long after Dreamcast. It was only manufactured for two years. They stopped supporting it really quickly. Mm-hmm. So later in high school or maybe junior high, my parents, also very LDS, Mormon, there's no internet. You weren't allowed, <laughs> which makes sense. I've mentioned this also before. My dad tried to get internet once. He had We had Netscape for like a week. Fuck that. And the first thing I did was try to look at boobs. I didn't know about search history or anything. <laughs> so, like, two days later, my dad's like, yeah, we're getting rid of the internet. Why? He's like, because I already know you tried to look at porn. We had it for, like, two days. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, like, I'm caught. no, I did it. Because <laughs> at um, that time, all you had was, like, Kmart lingerie section, maybe some magazines, maybe... Here's... Could- all right. It's funny that we're talking about this, because my friend Chris, I was giving me a ride. And by the way, to the listeners, one of my new hobbies, because I only have, like, one hobby... Um, is stand-up comedy. And I want to talk about how, or do a little bit on porn. How hard it was before the internet? Yes, but also, not only was it hard to get it and look at it, because the family computer, the fucking dial-up internet, but when you somehow got a hold of a magazine, you could never hide that shit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They always found it. Like, how did you find that? We didn't know how we didn't know how the internet worked or browsers or yeah. I bought a Dreamcast because it had an internet connection and we weren't allowed to have internet at the house. And uh, somehow I convinced my mom that I needed the phone line plugged into it to like play online, but it wasn't. She didn't know it had like an internet browser, and it wasn't Google or whatever. It had its. <laughs> BMXXX. Retro <laughs> games, BMXXXX, short play. Topless uh, girls doing tricks on yo, bikes. That is, that is so hilarious. Funny. I wonder how many copies of that game was sold just because of desperate well, prepubescent boys that just needed to see some. Well, number one, here's the cover of number one. Like, that was the cover. Keep it dirty. Yeah. And parents, I'm sure parents are fucking dumb and like, it's just a game and I, they're doing that to piss us off. But us, us, fellas were like hey somewhere in here there's a a real topless girl and i want to watch it because i can't go to the family computer didn't it yeah it gave you like a movie sequence or something yeah that's what it was it was a fucking like stripper girl yeah i remember that that's what i was trying to find on here on google google you let me down anyway Hey, yeah, I bought a Dreamcast, looked at porn on it. It was like 56K. You wait for each line to drop. And because because it was so hard and my I was in my bedroom upstairs. Are you talking my about parents, your penis or what? <laughs> my parents were close. So the problem was I would only have small windows where it was safe to try to look. Okay. But it was so it was so slow because it was old dial-up internet and the, the Dreamcast had its own built-in browser. Mm. And you had to type with the controller, so like yeah, slide yeah, over. Yeah, so just yeah. going to Google, or I think I was going to AOL back then as a search engine, took a second, would load. Then you type in your search, search query. That takes a two or three minutes to load the search results. Then you click on the website. That takes forever to load. Then you have to decide what picture to look at. And then you click on that. So the whole thing to get one picture was 10 to 15 minute ordeal. And, and it, by that time, I'm like, <laughs> I've already jerked off twice. So... <laughs> 
that one nipple did the trick. That vague nipple. <laughs> that vague nipple. So, yeah, sometimes it would load the whole picture, but it'd be blurry. Yeah. Or it would lo- load it like one line at a time. Do you remember when, at least this is my house since we didn't really have like HBO or Showtime or anything like that, but um, when HBO or Showtime would give you like the free week or a few free nights? No, I did catch some boobs <laughs> the static boobs the sta- oh, well, yeah through my grandma's cable yes. one time yes battle of the double d's i remember because it's the first time i saw a boob like actual boobs <laughs> just one boob yeah it was the whole shebang for some reason it, i don't know if it was oh hbo it was playboys battle of the double d's oh on one of the channels God. my grandma didn't pay for for whatever reason it wasn't staticky that day those the stars aligned god was like you know what Cade, I'm gonna let you. T- <laughs> if your parents won't talk to you about what I've made for you, <laughs> let Playboy's Double Battle of the, the Double, Double D's. D's. And I dirty remember I, <laughs> I saw like the pre like a commercial for it, and I saw the the name, and I'm like, it's not blurry. I think this might be. <laughs> oh! And I just remember, like, it was the greatest day of my life. And I, I, the first that first memory is still pretty vivid because I. Remember, I don't know if you had this, and this would be great stand-up material, but when you grow up super religious or Mormon or whatever, yeah, yeah. I never felt boobs. You never had sex. You never really seen boobs. And so when you try to imagine them, you can't. Yeah. Like, you don't know what to imagine. You don't really – you have an idea of what a boob probably looks mm-hmm. like because I've seen, like, cleavage, and I know I have nipples. <laughs> My nipples are kind of hairy. I don't know if all girls – like, you don't know – and you definitely don't know what it feels like. So you've tried to, like – beat off and and you can't really (laughs) fantasize so when i actually saw a real boob i was like that's what they look like that meant that single image that first image was now you're like (laughs) (laughs) i used that for years because that's all that's all the ammo i had oh my god so you would just think about that I would just moment. think about that because I never caught – I tried many times to catch that channel unstaticky, but I never got it again, just that one time. But I got a solid like 25, 30 minutes before my – I remember my grandma came home and had a flip channel. She was outside or something. But that those memories is basically what I used all the way until, geez, almost college because I never had internet at home. And then I went on the mission – so, like, I didn't really get to see anything other than that one blessing at, like, 13 or 14 <laughs> Jesus, years old. Jesus, dude, I remember, like, watching Rambo, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and all these fucking fight movies, and they all had boobs, and I was... I must have missed that. I never saw Rambo. I did see there's a movie called... Well, Rambo, I don't think he had it, but, like, you know, those fucking movies from back in the 80s was... Sometimes you, you're fucking were, and smoking. They That's were pretty loose do. on, like, it would be... I saw the creature... If you've... If you're well, you have internet now, so kids don't matter. But if I were to tell my old self where to find something, PG movies from like the seventies and the eighties, for some reason they would have boobs in them. And I remember my dad rented me Creature from the Black Lagoon because that was like an old classic movie, and he was thinking it was old. He saw it as a kid, and he had forgot. There's like a full on scene, like a nude. They like get they skinny dip together and make out. Yeah, and it's a long. And I'd already seen the the stuff on my grandma's. But he bought me that or rented it for me. And I remember thinking, oh, this is PG. He has no idea. This is no idea. And then I saw a few more. And I, this would surprise me that Rambo. You're, like, you're, you're going back and you're like, actually, Dad, I'm going to put this in my room. <laughs> Jimmy, I really like this movie. We should get it. It should be part of our library. Let me see that dragon. What was it? Demon? What was the movie? Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon. I want to say it was in the late 70s, early 80s. 
Dude, I'm fucking Googling this. <laughs> you should look it up. So you played – so you got it. You got BMXXX mm-hmm. for the boobs. I got it, yeah. But I got the Xbox because of Aggressive Inline, which um, we're from Let's U- talk about that, yeah. Yeah, so Aggressive Inline was a rollerblading game, which actually – there's a new one which we should talk about. Um, and the cover of it was this kid named Jaron Grobe. And Jaron Grobe is from here or in Utah. And was he a big – yeah, he was on the fucking cover of the so video game. he was game. one of the he biggest a, stars at the time. Yeah, he from was Orem. I from didn't know Orem. That. Yeah, he was called the monster. He was just my height, crazy, crazy good, doing insane flips and grinds. And he won. He was one of the few professional ro- rollerbladers that won uh, ESPN, like whatever, back when it was in, in the X Games, um, Vert and Street, like to win. He won both. He yeah. won both. That was a big deal. Yeah, he's doing both. And um, so he was on the cover, and he's from here. And I'm like, oh, fucking Jaron, we got to get that game. And it had, like, a bunch of other, like, big rollerblader names at the time. And the music, again, the music was cool. Um, so I got it because of that. And then BMXXX, because you're a horny teenager in yeah. Utah County. And Any other games on Xbox that stick out? Well, Halo, obviously. Um, fuck. I'm... I always did sports games because it was easier to play. Like, I, I never played first-person shooter games. What do you call them? FP- FPS, yeah. FPS. Look at me learning. I heard you say it, and I'm like, I know Look what at that all means. The, they're like, this guy's working with pro gamers? He doesn't know how to say yeah. FPS? Yeah, seriously. I'm like, I just color. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I never – I was afraid because all my friends were so good that I didn't want to show up and, like – Be the worst one. And ruin the game. Yeah. So I, ne- I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to rollerblade. Well, that, a lot of good that. It's probably better me. use of your time anyway. I could have been a pro. Maybe. I guess you could have been a pro Halo player. Yeah. Watch out. Um, so that's what I played. And it was cool because you got good enough to where you could hang with people and you could hang out with friends and – four players or let's connect two TVs in two yeah. different rooms and that was, that was insane. Fun. That was like as I got to experience that for like a month, you know. So I I respect that. And then obviously like in college and all that stuff, I was just like over it. It was sales and school and being yeah. a Mormon missionary and it's just like So you yeah. didn't really play any game and you you don't really play anything right now. Nope. I had a Nintendo Wii because we got it for free in Boston. I do remember you getting the, winning the Wii. Yo, I fucking love the what, Wii. What do you like about the Wii? What do you remember? Um, well, the Wii was cool because it felt like a regular, a regular, regular Nintendo, just a little newer. So Mario Kart was so much fun. Like having the wheel, that felt like, that was just kind of fun with friends. Mario Party, anything that I felt like no one would be in too much pressure that's probably what i liked more about gaming and then um then mario came out like a remake of mario and i still have that and i'll play that and i fuck with that like yeah. that's so much fun um that's what i like about the wii and probably switch when i do play it cuz i have been playing the switch you have a lately. switch i don't have it yet but my friends do fr- okay i've been playing like that thing is the fucking it shit. It is awesome. You've been playing the new Super Mario. I played Smash on it. Ah, yeah, baby. And Mario Party. Nice. Um, And it's, I mean, I think it's cool. I definitely, now I'm considered, because I don't own a TV, you know that. Like, it's, I don't like distractions because I'm already distracted as it is. <laughs> and so um, I think now as 
getting into esports as a professional thing, I think I do need to. Exp- you need to be more familiar, just yeah, in general. like not yeah. to waste time, but like okay, if we go to a gaming competition, I can understand more. Yeah, I can play, I can hang, I can lingo. That's what I think I should do. Not a bad idea. Um, but yeah, that the Wii and Mario, and I just like the nostalgic feel of how simple a game can be. Simple yet not boring. You can do it over and over and over. Over, again. yeah, and it's just like, if, and I love Doctor Mario too. Like that's my shit. But if it's like, hey, I can smoke and play a video game. <laughs> Well, you can do that with other video games. I promise you. I'm That's a living true. example. You're a living example. But Doctor, I like. So you play Doctor Mario on the new. I've I'm on the Wii and on, on the, the regular. If you, I'm not joking. I'm really, really, really fucking good at it. It got to a point where I would play level 20 just to start out and try to beat it. And I think I beat it a couple times. Where like you start like, out pretty much stacked. You're all the stacked. Way. Yeah, it's like I only did it once or twice where I cleared the whole fucking board. Um, but I love just the problem-solving aspect. Of- you know what? I forgot. I forgot. Now I'm remembering something in Boston we were selling. We ended up playing Dr. Mario. And I remember thinking, Omar doesn't game. Somehow in some group setting, we played Dr. Mario. Now I remember being like, oh, he doesn't game, but he's stupidly good at Dr. Mario. That's the one. You know who else is good at Dr. Mario? Nate Nelson. Yeah, we would game. I think that's what it was. You two were talking shit, maybe. Yeah, And then you played some Dr. Mario. And I thought I could hang. I couldn't hang with any of you. Not even close. Yeah. Fuck you, Nate. You were so good. <laughs> yeah, because Nate and one of his girlfriends would play it all. And Nate's not a really big gamer either. But Dr. Mario, he would play Dr. Mario all the time. And that made, yeah, that's He's pretty good. cool. He worked me. He beat you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, he beat me at the competition stuff. But I doubt. I'll call you out, Nate. If you can prove me wrong. I'm all proven wrong, <laughs> but I don't think he has yet to beat level twenty by himself okay. solo. That's like, all right, you're a nerd at Doctor. That's a Mario. trophy. That's a bragging point. Yeah, dog. We should play after this. <laughs> so, if you had now, whether you've already mentioned it or not, if you could think back. Mm-hmm. What, if you had one memory that has the most nostalgia, the most warmth related to gaming, what would it be? Mario 1. No, Mario 3. Mario 3. Mario 3. And the reason I say Mario 3 is because my mom, I know like growing up now as a 30-year-old man and looking back and I know the sacrifices that my mom made, the fact that she was able in 1990, what, 1 or 2, get me a Nintendo, that wasn't an easy thing to do, you know? And she got me the original Nintendo. Mario 3, and that that was like, that's my game. It's because it reminds me of those moments where yeah. um, my mom gave me probably the best present I've ever had in my whole life. Like a little kid getting a Nintendo. It's awesome. It's the shit. Yep. Plugging it in, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then Mario 3 just had the nostalgic music and the graphics were better and you had the the raccoon suits so you yeah. could fly and you could flute into different levels you know it was that's the most nostalgic memory for me i love mario 3 damn you so, yeah i think they're the second person to bring mario 3 up as their favorite mario and most nostalgic moment that was it's interesting cuz i remember playing it but mario 1 was the first time was the first video game i ever saw so mm-hmm. that to me is like 
kind of sticks out. But yeah, Mario 3, I remember thinking the world map concept was really cool. Like, wait, instead of just being put to levels, I can go through and sort of choose levels. Then the map has secrets. There was those. You could hide behind the map. That also blew my mind when you hold down and you could slide behind the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I'd never seen a game do that. Yeah. And then you were like in a secret door. Fuck. So cool. Mario, Mario's still going strong. Like it, I own stock in Nintendo, and they've only made me like five bucks, but hell yeah. Hell yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> Thanks, Nintendo. You're not dying. Sweet, man. Well, that's pretty much it. Where can people, again, find you on social media? Omar, Omar Presswich. Omar Presswich, at Omar Presswich. I was having such a good time. I'm bummed that we have to cut it off. We can keep going. No, we have to fine. talk about video games. I don't know when my kids are going to wake up. So... My kids are asleep and my wife is... How about, uh, how about this? We can just stop it here, keep recording, and if you hate it... We don't have to stop. We can just keep recording, but we can finish whatever. Well, we're just chatting. Um, oh, I did want to talk to you about... So, Hand me one of those rock stars. This coffee thing is weak sauce, bro. You already drank the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, Omar Puestwood, just so you guys know, I don't know if you... The Nitro, the Caveman Nitros, if you ever listen to Rogan Podcast, he'll have guests drink one of these and they'll freak the fuck out like they're taking Adderall. Omar just pounded <laughs> a whole one. It's like, eh, I kind of just feel a sluggish. Can I have a rock star on top of a caveman nitro? But it doesn't surprise me now that I'm thinking about it. You are the energy drink king. I love energy You probably drinks. have your poor heart. I will say this though. Like when I moved to Seattle, I stopped drinking energy drinks. Even in LA, I don't drink them as much. As much. And I think it's because in Utah or when we did door-to-door sales, it's so easy to get one. It's a thing you do. Yeah. It's more cultural, cultural whereas and, because people can't drink coffee. So yeah, it kind of becomes a cultural thing to, hey, let's go get energy drinks. Fucking Mormonism, dog. That <laughs> shit is so whack. You can't drink coffee, but get yourself an energy drink that will completely give you a heart attack. Well, you haven't had a heart attack yet. That reminds me of Facts. it's not a gaming no. not a gaming memory, but one time me and Omar <laughs> went to run stairs. I was like, hey, I got this really badass stairs. It's good good it's like a, one of the best workouts ever. It's a stairwell in Provo, Utah that has three sections. It's hundred and ten stairs. It's like hundred and ten stairs or whatever. We we run it like once or twice or three times together, and then Omar's like, ah he kind of plays it cool. Like, I'm not feeling – I'm just going to lay down and catch my breath. Like, okay. I don't think anything of it. I'm running this – I wanted to do six sets was my usual thing. I think I finished the six sets and I come down and oh, you're still just laying there on the ground. <laughs> dying. I'm fucking dying. He's dying and he, and he like – hey, man, what's up? And, he, and the first thing that comes out of your mind, your mouth was like, can you take me to the hospital? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, I don't know. Something is wrong. Yeah. We take you to the hospital. Like, I carry you. You're like I thought, blacking out. I thought I was going to die. I remember that because I'm like, holy shit. All I've had today is energy drink <laughs> and, and 7-Eleven pizza. <laughs> and not only that, but we smoked hella weed before. Yeah. And I was just so high when we got to the fucking stairs and I'm sprinting. Like, I'm high and I'm sprinting a hundred fucking stairs <laughs> three times in a row my heart's racing like Wah. and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i need to lay i need to catch my breath and then 
when I couldn't breathe, that's when I was like, start freaking out. Hey, man, like we got to do it. I remember getting to the ER, sitting with you, and they're asking you questions, and they're like, "So, what have you eaten today?" And you're like, "Uh, I've had two rock stars and a slice of pizza." <laughs> and she kind of, she like looked at you. She's like taking your heartbeat or your blood. I can't remember what she's doing. And I remember <laughs> she, they can't say it, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. her her face was like, "You fucking dumbass, yeah. wasting my time." You're in here because you got super high and you drank two rock stars and ate a pizza. Like it was hilarious. Well, I okay, I legitimately thought I was gonna die, and I remember you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're the only one there. But I, when you were helping me, and I thought I was gonna die, two things came to my mind. Number one, I asked my. This is true. I asked myself, "Hey, if you're about to die, are you okay with everything?" And I told myself, "Yeah," like. That was the weirdest moment where I was like, if I die, it's okay. I'm cool. And because that thought came to my mind, the neck, the thing that came out of my mouth to you was, I'm sorry that you have to be the one that has to be here for this. Do you remember that? I think I do remember you apologizing. I don't know. If, yeah, I think I do. Because I was carrying you down the path and you were holding onto my shoulder and you were kind of just talking at me, sort of yeah. in and out of coherent. Yeah, I, I, Thought you were kind of overreacting until I started carrying you, and then it was like you weren't there. Like you're, you weren't, you were slurring your words. You're, and I'm I, like, oh shit, maybe dude, he really is in trouble. I thought I was like legitimately. I thought I was gonna die. Like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. Like everything was like either super white or black. And that's when I was like, hey, when people say like, come to Jesus, or yeah. I remember just thinking like, no. Everything I believe in, I'm fucking like, this is it. If I die, I'm... And I told you, I was like, I'm so sorry that you have to be here for this. Tell my mom that I love her. That was like, yeah. what I just like, this is it. If I fucking die, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only time I've ever had like any heart things because of energy drinks. Yeah. Shout out, Rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the potential heart attack or aneurysm or whatever that was. But yeah, then, you know, moving to Seattle and whatnot, it's, um, I don't know if it's just I got more into like the idea of coffee and how that's a culture thing as well. But I just stopped drinking energy drinks. And Gamers drink a lot of energy drinks. Yeah, they do G Fuel though. Shout yeah. out G Dude, this whole thing is just one giant ad. It's like we work in marketing. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I think it can't be good for you, especially let's say you're a pro. I don't know how well, – obviously the pro pros are taking care of themselves. They probably don't do this. But I know some other friends that when they get deep into gaming, whether it's like a weekend or maybe it's their average thing they do on a weekday, you're sitting for six to eight hours, which Fuck. is already bad for you. It kind of hurts your blood flow. And then you're just – you're lethargic because you're sitting and they'll drink three to four rock stars – or energy drinks or Red Bulls during the day to, to be able to focus Yo, on the game. From that, a, from I'm surprised a the gamer hasn't died. From one professional energy drink drinker to another. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fucking do that. Like, that shit will fuck you up. Yeah. I have a homie that drank. When they first started coming out, I don't think people... Well, one, we were excited that we could drink something that gave you a buzz that wasn't coffee. All I the LDS people. So... 
and we didn't really know about how unhealthy they were. There mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of knowledge. It was like new. I remember when Red Bull first came out, and the, the Red Bull gives you wings. It had like the little line drawings. Yeah, and they were cutesy. Yeah, and I just didn't really think of this. Oh, it's an energy drink. Yeah, and I just assume because it's on the shelves. That the FDA or whoever regulates mm-hmm. our food has done their due diligence, which newsflash, they don't. There's all sorts of bad things on our shelves. We just have faith in the system. We're drinking them all the time. And I had a friend that worked with me at Ernie's that got way into it. And he was drinking two to three a day. as just, just normal drink <laughs> and not drinking a lot of water. Just because they're so good. They're so good. And uh, he did that for over a decade and he ended up getting colitis. And then that spiraled into more problems and he had to get parts of his intestine taken out and it like other things happened but what he told me is the doctor said it probably the downward spiral probably started happening because of the high amount of energy drinks and no water so if you are pounding a lot of energy drinks according pound some water pound some water according to what he said the doctors told him i don't know if that would really help you it's yeah probably better than what's no water. this guy's name bryce bryce what the fuck <laughs> I know Bryce. You what know the Bryce. fuck, Bryce? Like <laughs> he's a good dude. That's he doesn't just, drink him anymore. That's just common sense, man. Even I know that. Like I'll be when I when I reach my limit because it happens. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> like my head hurts. I'm getting a migraine. I fucked. And this is the moment where Omar realized he fucked up. And do I. You- do you have a memory with, like, speaking of energy drinks and partying, do you have a memory when you did play Halo, like a crazy, like the best time you had a LAN party, something crazy happened, people getting in a fight, nothing like that? No. I mean, the only thing, I only have, you know, a couple vague memories because um, memories are, as one of Joe Rogan's podcasts says, and I love about it, he says that memories are just memories of something. Memories. You don't really remember what happened. You think of... You think of the moment that it happened. Like right now, I'm thinking of the time yeah. of the last time I gamed all night with friends, high school. But I'm also thinking of the times I've shared this story. So I don't know how much of it is. No one's going to call uh, you bullshit. 100%. So you can make it up for all I care. Well, I just remember we stayed up all night playing. I don't remember any energy drinks. Maybe Mountain Dew. I don't fucking know. It was just that was like, a big so, one because of caffeine. You could, yeah. But I didn't understand that. I was just doing what they were doing. So because I grew up on the farm, you know, my dad, my family, it's, that's not a thing I grew up with, but you did. And the people that lived in a quote unquote city did. Yeah. So to them, they like that was just they probably understood that. And I didn't understand that. But we played all night. And then the next day we had church because, you know, Jesus Sundays. And I remember just like being so tired so tired and by and the way if you've never been to a mormon church it is excruciatingly boring because it's not rock band it's not it's straight it's very talk. like quiet culture Ugh. everyone it's so boring that apparently jesus changed his mind about how long church had to be and instead of it being three hours that we were used to and had to fucking do it's now only two hours which is lucky because i remember as a missionary <laughs> <laughs> like first you invite someone to come to church and they're like Three hours? They would always like, you want me to do three hours? And then they would come and do the full three hours and get him to come back the second time. Oh, hell no. That was so drab and so boring. fucking hours. And I I teased some of my homies that are still active because people were like celebrating in the streets (laughs) that church was only two hours. I'm like, if church is so awesome, 
Why are you yeah. stoked? It's an hour shorter. Dude, I'm like, hey, if you want to make it even shorter, stop going. Yeah. I saw that it was a meme. It was uh, the Morpheus from Matrix. Yeah. And it was like, you know, what if I told you? And it's like, what if I told you there was a way to go to zero hours of church? <laughs> Dude, um, it's so weird not not being Mormon. And when I talk to like my friends at work or it doesn't matter who I talk to, you might, you're going to have to definitely up my volume on the pod. Let me see. Talk. No, I'm just looking at my sound wave. Oh no, your sound wave's good. Look, we just got to zoom out. This is you right here. It's pretty, actually pretty loud. Okay. Good. But no, no, don't worry about it. Don't touch. But here you ramble for a second. I need to check on my kids. Make sure they're not awake. Will you bring me some water? Some water? Yes. Yes. In exchange for you rambling and keeping it going, talk about games, Talk maybe talk about, I don't know, whatever you want. I'll just talk about Just shit. talk about stuff. I'll be back. Okay. This is like a radio show. All right. Cade's gone. I've got your time. Um, yeah, so Cade and I have known each other for well over a decade. Like he said, we did door-to-door sales in Boston and then we did door-to-door sales in St. Louis, and we became really good homies because we started running together. He lost like 50 pounds before that summer. He just wanted to get into shape, and um, that motivated me. That was a really important part of my life, and I think it's really important that you always surround yourself with positive people that are trying to better their life because that in turn will help you out. So by him trying to be his best self, it motivated me to be my best self and lose weight. And then that friendship really grew. Uh, and that's how we became friends. Then we started the record label together, Damn Son. That forever changed my life. It's one of the things I'm forever thankful for, to have a friend that believes in you and what you're doing. And even if things as a business don't quite work out the way that you thought they would, uh, it's so cool that you were there for each other at you know a learning point in your life. So that's kind of like my two cents on Cade. He's a super solid individual and... um yeah, that's ramble one. Ramble two is since um, since the start of the record label up until now, I've learned the power of starting to pursue a real hobby for the sheer sake of learning. So the record label and the the record label was what started everything as far as creative to learn how to do graphic design and photography and event planning. That never became my full-time job as I wanted it to be, but it allowed me, it, it showed me what I'm good at and what I'm capable of doing, and it allowed other people to see it. And so now I always tell people, like, just fucking start a hobby because you don't know what you'll learn about yourself and some hidden talents, and that is, you can't, beat that can't yeah i don't regret i don't regret doing damn son i think back of the times i was actually doing a lot of gaming because we would go running at <laughs> nights remember when i lived in that basement apartment and Incredible. we'd run in the winter up that giant hill on 2000 oh, north Jesus. and we would just talk about damn son i'd get home and i'd shower i would still be kind of awake then i would game 
to go to bed. As I was kind of more, I would play easier games, mindless games, more of what we talked about, think about, okay, what are we going to do? Release, marketing, website issues, whatever it was. And uh, even though it didn't pan out like we thought, I don't, I don't ever, I've never felt an ounce of regret like that was a waste of time. Dude, the brand to this day is still growing. Like you were saying, people ask you about it. People not only ask me randomly about it, but it still grows by itself. It's a good brand. It's like, it's not dead, dead. And hence the last post, if you go on it, it's me talking about like, it's not over. Just taking a pause, you know? Yeah. And I, the idea of what it stands for, which is at the end of the day, it stands for doing what you love and helping people out. You go through the whole thing, you'll never really see us in it here and there. But it's a culture of people and yeah. and sharing what they do and helping them however you can, whether that's through photos, SEO, fucking marketing, whatever. That's what like I love most about it is and it's what we always talk about. You you help people out with no expectations, shit come shit comes back to you. Good shit, not bad shit. The good shit. Yes. We like the good shit. We actually played around with getting into gaming. I remember, I don't know, we didn't go too far down into it. I think we were streaming and we were had an idea for something. Everything we talked about five years ago, we should have just done. We should have done. It, it would have been. We were on the right path. We were definitely on the right path. Lazy. But it's hard. It's hard with all that uncertainty, especially something like a label and you're not. I'll tell you what's hard is we weren't fucking single. We weren't single? No. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You were just married. Did we start Damson after I got married? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, we did. I, I was, was married. Yeah, when you called and I first brought up the idea, I was married. And you were married, and I was dating Sammy. And I remember, like, I just thought, business. Like, we can do this. Classic mate. Like, we <laughs> fucking got this. Um... I still believe in it to to this day, like especially now with everything that I know and you know <laughs> I'm like i it's even more possible now, yeah, that's what's so wild to think about it, and I look at people that are doing it still that I looked up to back then and where they're at now, and the only difference really between them and me is they stayed with it. They stayed consistent. Yeah. And I, not that I regret being where I am at K-Swiss and all that, but I always think what will, you know, what if I would have done it more and more and more? I'm st- and who knows? The future is like untold. The thing, though, that I think about is if you if you're listening and thinking about doing something or trying something new, going for it and failing, or going for it for a time and then deciding to change directions, is better than never ever trying. Yeah. Because we think like, what if we would have kept with it? Or yes, but if you would have never never tried, that would even be a, a more of a regret. Yeah. That's why I don't regret it. Because we, what I can say is. I went all in oh, and yeah. got to a point where like, well, I'm not making any money. I'm spending all my time and no money and I need to like be – it's true. I wasn't single. It's like I got to make money and support somebody else. So I went back and got into marketing. The similar thing, 
worked my way up into a bunch of different agencies and left, did my own thing. And now I'm doing my own thing. It's just different than what I initially thought I was going to do as my own thing. But either way, the end goal of being free and working for myself and doing something that I like to do, I don't like marketing probably as much of music. I don't know. Then again, anything when you become professional at it, it becomes a job to some extent. Like I think that if I would have became a professional producer, I would have had to treat it the same way I treat marketing. Marketing in the beginning was fun. I'm going to see if I can get this website to rank, see if I can get make money. It was all fun. And then it becomes a job and you just have to accept that there's always an element of that, even if you're quote unquote doing what you love. Well, the problem now looking back at it, right, is we maybe thought too much about money. Because we needed to... Because we needed money really bad at the time. And if we would have just continued to do it the right way, which is just build it to build it and work... It would have happened. It would have fucking... Yeah. It would have happened like selection. Yeah. And we had the tools. Um, it's so crazy, dude. Like, can't turn back time. Nope. And one thing about Damson, and a good reason why I put it on hold, is you can't... Even if you, you can't go back in time, but you also have to be self-aware, evaluate, and see where you're at. Meaning, if we talk about certain music friends, right? Last night, I saw two people, and they haven't moved on. They're still throwing the same fucking parties. I still get the invites, and even though I haven't lived in Utah for two fucking years... And I'm I'm watching, I see their IG and shit, and I feel a little sad for them. And maybe I shouldn't feel sad for them because they could be completely happy, but I don't know a 30-plus-year-old that is happy working a 9-to-5 and trying to hustle parties. That shit gets old. It does get old. I mean, if, like I said, if someone's, if that's like really what works for them, then I think that's fine. I think it's probably safe to assume there's an element of, huh, this is not what I want. Even our buddy Taryn, who's like the first person that booked me, has been open about it on left, went to San Francisco. It's like, look, you can only do that for so long before you just grow out of it. You know, even, even then, he was all, I mean, he was as all was in as everybody I've ever met. He went all in mm -hmm. and he did a lot of cool stuff and he brought a lot of cool shows to Utah through some of the best parties I've been to. I say he was successful at it, but at some point it's like, well, I just want something different. But if you never really want something different, then I suppose. Yeah. It's interesting. I, we've talked about Taryn. I give him so much respect for the hustle. He's the one that also first booked me. Yeah. And helped us when we first started, you know, no one else did, um, which is why we've always had that respect for him and his hustle. Granted, some choices he made slowed his process down, but he did go all in. And I didn't know he moved. Hell yeah. I hope he's like doing really good. He seems to be doing well. And he went to, to uh, Smoke Signal Stills doing stuff in Utah. They just posted like a live streaming party. Is that, the, I don't know. And he's still, like, I see him posting, but he's in San Francisco. Cool. Doing, you know, like, I don't know what he's doing. But, oh, he's working with a cannabis company as, like, a brand rep or a sales rep, which is the perfect fit for him. <laughs> perfect fit for him. It's probably better than trying to throw parties. Yeah, you just have to, you have to see where you're at. I mean, Self-awareness, dude. Like, yeah. that, at the end of the day, that's really what it is. 
there's always a balance between sticking with something or changing gears and it's hard to know like am i not being successful because i'm not really being a professional like sometimes when i think about music i went all in is the way that i knew how to go all in Mm -hmm. but i didn't have a professional mindset because i actually never believed i could make it i was like i'm gonna try but i i knew that it's like it's a very low it's the it's the one percent of the one percent that ever make it that's where you and i differ though that's why i like and I joke about like Captain Spock and Kurt, yeah. you know, like I never, th- I, there's that, well, but for the most part, you know me, I'm like, this can happen. I can, we can fucking do this. Like yeah. when I'm in the moment in my mind and I feel it, I'm like, yeah, let's fucking do it. I would it. definitely have moments when we ran that I felt like that. I thought I had more confidence in Damson than I did in my own music. Cause it's a brand that stood for something. Yeah. It stood for something. And I, I just, it's weird. You're right. You, if you stuck with it, maybe things would be different. But then if maybe they wouldn't be and maybe I wouldn't have my own company and have this awesome place that I studio, man cave, podcast, video game, music making, like everything I want in one single room. Maybe it would be better, but I really like where I'm at. So it's like it's one of those, you know, just life plays out the way it plays out. But I do think that if you don't like where you're at and things aren't working out. You need to either decide to go more all in on what you're doing and up your game, whether that's more hours, more conscientious training, more conscientious practicing. If it's something creative or you need to say maybe it's not the right fit and I don't know, start a podcast called Gaming Memories. I don't know. Start anything, you know, and that's why like, (laughs) I mean, I, we live in a FOMO age facts. You get on Instagram you're you're left out every every single time my god what the fuck this guy's where he's doing what and um we live in here it is (laughs) (laughs) uh we live in an age where everything is you have that fear of missing out of something and now it's so easy to start anything because you see it yep and if you see it you're like it's possible and i love that idea you starting a podcast, like I told you before, I fucking support it 100%. Like, what will happen with this? That's why we're here. Who knows, right? Um, but and- it gives me a chance to do what I already do all the time, which is nerd out with my friends that play video games and talk about video games. And I'm starting to do stand-up. And you're starting to do stand-up. Do you have a stand-up Instagram or is it just still? Just Omar Presswitch, dude. And that to me is just like, never planned it. It was just like, man, maybe one day. What you should keep doing. And then I'm like, fuck it. You've I'm done doing two it. sets now? Two sets. Two sets. Still a baby, but hey, man. Still a baby. You got to start mean, somewhere. But my f- kids are going to wake up. Let's wrap this up. All right, let's. Omar Prestwich. Prestwich. No dash, no underscore on all Instagram and Twitter. He's the. Check out K Swiss. If you interact with K Swiss in any way, shape, or form, you're probably interacting with Omar. Yep. That's And if you're a badass gamer with some sort of. Story. competitive or channel or vlog or something sometime next year. Or if year. you know a game that is better than BMXXX. <laughs> if you know a game that has better... Uh, 2004 nipples. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's better nipples than BMXXXX. Let us know and let all the, the young boy... Well, it doesn't matter. Young boys now they just have phones. No one has to... That's what a bit you should do. Is something about like the fact that you don't have to work for nudity as a 12-year-old boy, it probably makes to, you not as... They don't, don't appreciate it. They don't appreciate it. You take it for granted. 
anyway uh follow us <laughs> follow us see you guys later and that is a wrap shout out to omar prestwich for coming up on the podcast make sure to check him out and case us out on social media again all the links are going to be in the description of the podcast and if you're listening to this right now it means you listen to the entire episode of the podcast and from the bottom of my cold apostate soul thank you so much But it's not enough. As I mentioned, I am the ordained prophet called by the holy Triforce trifecta of gods themselves, the great gaming gods Hideo Kojima, Miyamoto, and John Carmack. They have told me to make the best gaming podcast on planet Earth. But part of it is they told me to tell you. It's not me telling you. I'm just the messenger. You don't got to do what I say. You got to do what they say. And they say, y'all got to go forth and be missionaries. Tell everyone about the Gaming Memories Podcast. Spread the good word of the Gaming Memories Gospel. Give me all your money. Give me all your women. And everything will be awesome. After you've completed your missionary work of sharing the Gaming Memories Gospel, go home, twiddle your thumbs, and wait for next week's episode because it's going to be a doozy. Next week on the podcast, I have Chase Henson, who is an extremely accomplished illustrator and concept artist who travels all over the country selling art. And a lot of the art that he sells is video game inspired. Until then, I'll see you guys next time. Cheers.